study of what we call the Sermon on the Mount or Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we're talking about how Jesus gets past outer law-keeping, you know, just don't do this, don't do that. And if you live your life on a don't basis, then you're going to be miserable because I can't do this, I can't do that. You're going to begin to feel hemmed in, fenced in. But if you live your life out of devotion to Christ, you'll get deeper into your motives and allow him to take control there. Listen to what he says. You have heard that it was said, this is verse 21 of chapter 5, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says you fool will be danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer you your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to a judge, and the judge hand you over to an officer, and the officer may have you thrown in prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penalty. Jesus here is getting beneath the surface. He's talking about anger first. He says, now, you don't commit murder, but you think it's all right to be angry with that other Christian, that other person who knows the Lord, or any person for that matter. That matter. And, and you, you, you have a, a maybe there's different kinds of anger. Maybe you have a, a silent anger. It's in your heart. Nobody knows about it. It's kind of a hate. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 15, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And, it, and it's what it says here. Maybe yours is vocal anger. You call people names like fool and or raka, which means empty or blockhead or worthless fellow. You, you look down on people. Maybe you look down on certain people of certain colors or race or creed or background, and you say very, very bad things about them. You express scorn and contempt for people. You would try to kill people with your tongue if you could. Anger that attacks the person verbally assassinates character, and usually it comes out of bitterness, resentment, and feelings of self-worth on the part of doing it. And fool signifies that, that we're really wanting to put a curse on that person if we could. The Bible says we're danger in danger of hellfire. And that's important for us to recognize that anger is a really a, a thing that, that God hates. And just like he hates murder, he hates anger. Also, it affects our attitude toward worship. He said if you're worshiping God and you remember that someone has something against you, especially if it's a fellow Christian, someone has something against you. It didn't say you had something against them. It doesn't say that, but, but that you hurt them, that they hurt you, but it says that they have something against you. Now, maybe you hurt them or maybe you didn't hurt them, uh, oftentimes people imagine or believe things that aren't true. And so that could be the case. It could be that you're innocent, you didn't do anything, or it could be that you did do something that caused that person hurt. But if you know they've got something against you, before you leave your gift at the altar, go make it right with them. 
You say, well, I didn't do anything. Well, that's not the point. The point is to be right. It's far better to be right with someone else than to be right with yourself in the sense of I didn't do anything. We can't cover up those kind of things. And we, you see, the, the misunderstanding may totally be that other person's fault. But you see, you need to seek to make it right if you want to be able to worship like you should. And then when, you, when you've made it right, then you can come back and bring your gift and bring your life and, and, and worship the Lord, sing his praises, glorify him, study the word. And if that person does not accept your apology, then that's all you can do. You can't make somebody accept your apology or forgive you. But the point is, he wants us to seek to be right with other people with promptness. The Bible says in another place, be slow to anger and quick to make things right. And if we will do that, it will make a real difference in the way we live our lives and the way we affect other people with our lives. Jesus goes on to say uh, about another area where it's not just outward. He said, you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Here again, Jesus uh, caused the people of his day to be astonished at what he taught. He said, you've got to have a righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the religious leaders of the day. If your righteousness is all outward, if it does not affect your behavior, if it does not relate to your everyday life, it's worthless. If it's from within, it makes a difference. Now, obviously, according to the Old Testament and the New Testament, committing adultery, having sex with another person's wife or husband, or even having sex before marriage or having sex uh, when you're a single, whatever, uh, all of that is a part of what God condemns. And he says it comes from an inner lust which has to be dealt with. And therefore, he calls for us to first start on the inside, have our heart right and then our eyes right. He says, uh, if a man looks on a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery already in his heart. Now, he's talk, not talking about a passing sight. You see a woman and you just pass and you might think she's attractive. That's if, 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 if you're just thinking she's attractive and God made a beautiful woman, that's not a bad thing unless you carry it further and you start thinking about a sexual relationship and lusting after her. Then that's where sin comes into play. And that's when we need to realize that God has given us the gift of sex and it's to be a part of life but it's to be in marriage and not outside of marriage it's kind of like if you have a beautiful front yard with flowers and everything uh, the, the sod out there the dirt out there is great but if you start tracking muddy sod into your house it's going to mess up your house and that's the same thing with the gift of sex if you use it in marriage it's a wonderful gift, a blessing to the man and the woman who love each other. And God will use it in your relationship. But if you go outside of God's dimensions here, you're going to bring hurt on yourself and hurt on other people. But it's so important that we have 
the right attitude and that we have it in our hearts. And this impurity of heart is what really matters. And today it's really hard to do that because for most people, because especially men, because the movies, the TV, everything, and even uh, the way some people dress will exploit uh, that which we can look at. And Peter calls, talks about eyes full of adultery. So it's important that we not have that. And we can only not have it when we trust the Lord in the way we should. I hope you have a great day. We're going to talk more about that tomorrow and some other things relating to how as a person who loves Jesus, our motives have to be right. So I hope you will be with me. God bless you.